First uh, John chapter number two tonight. We've been in First John now for several weeks and just kind of walking our way through this book. And uh, I think it's very important. It's it's a very powerful book. It's a book that's filled with uh, important truths for. Uh, Everyone, really, for lost people as well as saved people, new Christians and people who've been saved for a long time. There's a lot of uh, simple truths that are easy for all of us to understand. There's also a lot of depth and meat in different parts of this book. And it's just, I believe, a really important uh, study as we seek to grow in our walk with the Lord. And so uh, 1 John chapter 2, if you're there and you could stand for the reading of the Scripture... I'll invite you to do that as well. 1 John 2, we'll begin reading in verse number 18. As John the Apostle here says, Little children, now again, this is not uh, speaking only to young people here. He's talking to Christians that he cares about. He's concerned for them. and he, He's concerned like a father would be for his children. He says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye... Have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you uh, of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. I want to preach to you tonight on the subject of Christians and Antichrists. Christians and Antichrists. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is so powerful. And Lord, it, it applies to our lives even today. Thank you, Lord, that these things are relevant for the current issues that we face, and maybe even in some ways more so than they were when they were first written. So Lord, help us tonight, I pray, as we dig into your word. Examine our hearts. Lord, help us to see the truth about ourselves. And to be awakened, perhaps, to the truth about the situation in the world and others around us. Would you help us, Lord, to just draw nigh unto you through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. This book, this letter, has now taken on, if you haven't noticed, a tone of 
of warning. We, the other night, looked at those words of admonition in verses 15 through 17 as as we were admonished to love not the world, but rather to love God. And now, now, when we get into verse number 18, we see these words, My little children, as he's expressing his concern for them and for their well-being. And he says to them, My little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now... Are there many antichrists? It's, it's as though he's, he's saying to them, uh, I want you to pay attention and wake up because living in these last days, you have entered some dangerous territory. You're in a, a time where people all around you are going to be falling into error and confusion. Certainly as we read the scriptures, we come to understand that the... This in the last days, in the end times, that there will be many false teachers and many false doctrines being, uh, uh, being promoted and being taught. And this is actually one of the signs of the last days. If you notice those words in verse number 18, as he says, it is the last time. And he said that, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. In other words... Uh, because of the false teaching that is all around us, because of these antichrists that are all around us, we can know that it is the last time. In fact, if you'd hold your place here and go with me to the book of Matthew and chapter 24. Matthew 24 is a, a, a chapter that really uh, details, as Jesus is explaining some things to his disciples, about what things are going to look like at the end of the world. They had asked him a question in verse number 3. It, this was a the question they asked. They said, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And the rest of chapter 24 is Jesus telling them all about what's going to happen in those last days. The, the sign of his coming and of the end of the world. And, and when all these things are going to take place. He talks about the great tribulation. He talks about the second coming of Christ. And, and of course, we're very familiar with, for instance, verse number 6. Ye shall hear of wars and, and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. Nations shall rise against nation, verse 7. There shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. And in reality, we see all these things happening around us, don't we? These signs of the last days and these things that are happening. But before he said any of those things, before the, all the unrest in the world and all the uncertainty going on in the, the geopolitical realm of things, he said in verse number 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, this is his first instruction about the last days, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The greatest danger of living in the last days, in other words, is not all of the conflict and all of the turmoil going on in the world. The greatest danger for God's people living in these last days is the false teaching that is all around us. That's really important for us to understand. And notice even here, if you look at, at back in 1 John chapter 2, he says, it is the last time, verse number 18, and as ye have heard that Antichrist 
shall come. He's talking about a person, the Antichrist. He is going to come. But then, then he said, listen, even now there are many Antichrists. You know, there are a lot of people and a lot of Christians and even, even people who aren't saved who are really consumed and really interested in all of the events of the end times. In fact, you could probably uh, host a, a prophecy conference and have some speaker come in and, and preach on the events of the last days and, and promote it a little bit. And you'd probably fill this place with people that are just interested in hearing what the Bible has to say about the last days. Because it, in a sense, the world is looking for the Antichrist, aren't they? I mean, I don't know about you. I've certainly had that conversation with with. Uh, People saved and lost alike. Who is the Antichrist? And is he alive on earth today? And I've heard people surmise, I wonder if this guy could be the Antichrist. And, and a lot of people are looking for the Antichrist. And, but here, what John is saying is, listen, don't worry so much about him, the person that, that abomination of desolations, as the Bible calls him, but, but recognize that all around you today, there are Antichrists. There are false teachers. The, the spirit of Antichrist prevails in the last days, even in the days in which we live. And though there is a man coming who will oppose all that which is good, and, and he will be the Antichrist, we need to be aware that even living in these last days, there are many Antichrists all around us. There, there are false teachings and false philosophies that contradict the word of God and and they're permeating not just the world, but sadly they're permeating churches today. There are, there are many antichrists and those that would oppose the truth of the word of God. Notice also that in verse number 19 he says, They went out from us. He's speaking of these antichrists. And he says essentially that these people, many of these false teachers, were those who were once of us. In other words, they are people that that named the name of Christ. There are people that uh, probably sat in churches just like this one. And, and if, if anyone would have looked at them and, and, and observed their life, they would have said, yes, that's a Christian, that's a child of God. And now that those people have become the antichrists. It's important for us to understand that it's entirely possible to even be part of a Bible-believing and Bible-preaching church and still be lost. And... and I think Judas would be a great example of this. That disciple that followed Jesus all, all three and a half years of his ministry. And the night that he betrayed Christ, as, as the Lord even identified him as the one who would betray him, when he left, nobody knew where he was going because they just couldn't imagine that Judas would be the one to betray Christ. He had everyone deceived. And truthfully, there are people sitting in churches just like this one, and perhaps even in this one tonight, that have everyone else deceived. Maybe they're even deceived themselves, but ultimately are not of us in the sense that they're not truly saved. They don't really have the Lord, and these are the people that often become antichrists. Notice it says that they went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with, uh, with us, but they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. 
Apparently, these people that John is writing to, these saved individuals, these little children as he refers to them, had experienced this before, where people who once served alongside of them and sat among them when the word of God was being preached, people that they counted as brothers in Christ, left. Not just left the church, but left the faith. Turned away from the truth and began to embrace error. And this is something that happened all the way back then and continues to happen even today. And it can be a difficult and confusing thing for a church as we watch people that we know and love and even perhaps respect, people who have even in some cases taught the word of God themselves, when we see them leave and, and change and, and shift in their doctrine and start teaching uh, error and falsehoods and lies, and that can be a confusing thing, it's certainly a discouraging thing, but I believe what John is trying to get to the bottom of here is he's trying to encourage these people, don't be too surprised when this happens. The fact that these people, these antichrists, have gone out from us is just an indication that they were never truly of us. There are those who certainly uh, misunderstand the word of God, but they teach that a person can lose their salvation. And they will point to those who once claimed to be Christians and faithfully served the Lord, at least outwardly, and, and then turned away from it. And they've just quit believing what they once believed. And they'll say, see, there's an example of someone who was once a Christian and no longer is. And by the world's standards, that makes sense. It would be possible for someone to be a Christian and then decide they don't believe those things anymore and change. People change all the time. From the world's standards, that's nothing uh, strange or odd, but... But from a biblical perspective, that cannot happen. It's impossible for a Christian who really knows the Lord to fall from grace. It's impossible for us to lose our salvation. It's impossible for us to uh, uh, be saved and then one, one day not be saved anymore. That's not a possibility. And so whenever this happens, there are two possibilities. Number one, it is possible that that person is perhaps backslidden, they've fallen away from the Lord, and the Lord will then chasten them and bring them back to himself. However, in many cases, and may I even say in most cases, when you see someone who just walks away from the faith, and certainly someone who denies the, the truth of the Bible and denies Christ, the reality is, according to this, they were not of us. They were never truly saved. They may have thought they were, they may have, may have convinced everyone else that they were, but notice verse number 19, for had they been of us, had they truly been saved, had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But, it, but they went out that it might be made manifest, that it might be revealed, that it might be exposed that they were not all of us. What, what was really happening was not that people were just good people that were falling away, but these were what the Bible would call tares among the wheat. These were lost people that, were, that had deceived many into believing that they were saved. They were wolves in sheep's clothing, and now it was being made manifest 
that they were not truly of us. They were not truly saved. Now you say, what, what is the difference then? What is the distinction? The Bible actually gives us a distinction here. There are those who are truly saved. There are others who are these wolves in sheep's clothing. I want you to, again, hold your place here and go to the book of Acts with me. Acts chapter number 20. In Acts 20, Paul here is speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And this church at Ephesus, he spent three years with them and, and has ministered to them even while he's been away from them. And, and this has been a church that he's been very close to, but now he knows that he's coming to the end of his ministry. And he tells them in verse number 25 of Acts 20, And now behold... I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. So these are his final parting instructions to these leaders of the church in Ephesus. And here's what he says to them in verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. He said, I know that there are going to be attacks that come from without. People that enter into the church and, and start to cause divisions and start to cause problems. These are wolves in sheep's clothing. You need to be aware of them and you need to take heed to the church. But then notice verse number 30. He says, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Now let me remind you, he's not talking to just a church congregation in general. He's talking to the pastors of that church. He's talking to the elders of this church. And he says to them, of your own selves, of this group of men to whom I'm speaking right now, there will be some that arise among you, speaking perverse things. Things that are contrary to the word of God. Things that are uh, contradictory to the truth of the Lord. And, and the, the, their purpose is going to be to lead away disciples after them. There are truly, uh, there's always a danger of people arising from within. We, we're aware of the, the attacks of the world. I mean, from the very beginning, Jesus said that the world's going to hate you because it hated me. And if we're really doing what God would have us to do, if we're uh, believing the things that he would have us to believe, practicing the things that he would have us to practice, and preaching the things he would have us to preach, the world is not really going to be fond of those things. We understand that. We're ready for those attacks from without, for the most part. But often we get caught off guard when those attacks come from within. When we see those arise from within, that we, those people that we once served alongside of and and stood shoulder to shoulder with them in the fight. When, when we see them turning away from the truth of the word of God, it can be so discouraging and so disheartening and so confusing sometimes. And we wonder even, maybe they're right and I'm wrong. And, but the truth is, folks, we just need to understand it's a reality. It's something that's going to happen. There are wolves in sheep's clothing that, that enter in among the church. But the distinguishing factor, that if we go back to uh, 1 John chapter 2, the one thing that distinguishes true believers from these false professors 
of faith. Notice verse number 20, if you would. Verse number 20 says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One. Do you know that that's the difference between a, a saved person and a lost person? Is their unction? <laughs> now you say, what, what is the unction? Well, that word unction, it, it's the Greek word charisma. And it literally means an anointing. It, it, it refers to the Spirit of God that indwells us at the moment of salvation. The difference between these false professors and those who are true believers in Christ is those who are saved have the Spirit of God abiding in us. We are His. We have the, the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by His Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice that, that the result of this will be that those who are truly children of the Lord will continue in truth. Look at verse number 19 again. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. Did you know that one of the marks of a true believer is that they will continue in the faith? Now, there are some verses of Scripture that maybe have confused you in the past. I know that there were times in the past that I kind of stumbled over these verses, not really knowing exactly uh, how to interpret them and how did they fit with the things that I had always believed and always been taught. Let me give you an example of these, these verses. Matthew 24, where we were a moment ago, a little bit later on in the chapter, says, He that shall endure to the end shall be saved. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, they, they, it's the letters to the seven churches, and you have these promises to him that overcometh, having a, 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 basically a place in heaven and reward in heaven. And, and if you read those without discernment and without really digging into what they mean, it can come across as though the Lord is saying that we have a responsibility to keep ourselves saved. It can come across like, you know, the, really we won't know for sure that we're saved until the end when we've persevered through all these things. And then if we've persevered and we've overcome and, and, and we have endured to the end, then we're saved. But that's actually not what the Bible is teaching us. The concept is this. If you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you, you will endure to the end. If you have the Holy Spirit working within you, you, you are an overcomer. You will overcome because why? You have an unction from the Holy One. You have an anointing. You, you have the, the Spirit of God dwelling within you. You see, we do not keep ourselves saved, but we are kept by the power of God. We are upheld by His hand. Unto Him who is able to keep us from falling. He's able to keep us from falling. In other words, those who fell, if you would, and, and fall away from the truth, it is because they don't have the Holy Spirit keeping them in Christ. Ephesians 4 tells us that we are sealed by the Spirit of God under the day of salvation. So those who are saved will endure to the end. Those who are, who are born again have the Holy Spirit living within us. That doesn't mean that a Christian's never going to backslide. It doesn't mean that someone who's saved is never going to get into error, but the difference is this. 
If you have the Holy Spirit, if you have this unction from the Holy One, the power of God keeps you. He keeps you saved, and ultimately He keeps you in truth. He keeps you walking in truth. A Christian can only wander so far before the, the, the Spirit of God begins to work in bringing us back to Himself. There's the chastening hand of the Lord that's spoken of in Hebrews chapter 12. And, and even as uh, Pastor Smith has been preaching on the shepherd and his sheep, that thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Those are instruments intended to guide the sheep, to, to lead us and to pull us back when we get out of the way. The Lord is able to keep us in himself. He's able to keep us saved. So... The difference between a saved person and a lost person is the Spirit of God. That's, the, that's what distinguishes us. We're, we're talking a lot in 1 John about the fruit and the evidence of salvation in our lives. And it's important for us to understand something. The fruit of salvation is not something that we work out in ourselves. It's not like, well, I'm saved and so I guess I have to obey the Lord now. I guess I have to do these things because that's what a saved person does. And then we just produce this fruit in ourselves. No, the fruit of salvation is produced by the Spirit of God within us. It's Him working through us to produce that fruit. And so when we look at someone and we say, according to these things, and again, it's not our job to judge who's saved and who's lost. The Lord knows that. But... As we examine a life and we examine fruit, it's, it's not that we're distinguishing and saying, well, this guy's a better Christian than this one, therefore he's maybe really saved and this one's not. No, 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 that's not how this works. The difference is, if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God living within you and working in you. He that begun a good work in you will perfect it, will perform it until the day of Christ. He will complete that work in you. But if he is not in you, then any effort for goodness is your own attempt at righteousness, and as we've learned by the law and the gospel, our own attempts at righteousness are pretty futile. So it's only by the grace of God and only by the Spirit of God within us. That's the difference. It's the Spirit of God. That's what makes all the difference. Now, as we get back into 1 John 2, I want you to notice not only is there a distinction between the lost and the saved, but for those who are saved, there's also discernment. Notice he says in verse number 20, remember we're talking about false teachers, antichrists, those who are teaching falsehoods. He says, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you, because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. He says, I I'm writing to you because as children of God, you know what truth is. In other words, if you're saved, and you have the Holy Spirit, you have this anointing that is from above, you have the ability, you have the wisdom to discern truth from error. John chapter 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, the comforter that's going to come, and he calls him the Spirit of truth. And in John 16 and verse 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come... He will guide you into all truth. If you are saved, you will be able to understand and discern truth from error. You see, 
it is not just a catechism that keeps us on the right track doctrinally. Even as we disciple people, I think it's important to uh, instruct them in truth, to be able to open the Bible and show them why we believe what we believe. But ultimately, my job as a, as a discipler, as a teacher, even as a pastor, my job is not just to tell you, here's what you believe and here are the proof texts of why you should believe it. My job is to try and encourage you and help you to grow in Him and walk with the Lord because as you walk with the Lord and you learn to listen to the Spirit of God in your life, you will be able to discern truth from error. It's just, it's just a reality of, of having the Spirit of God within us. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians in chapter number 2 as this addresses the same situation. Discerning truth from error. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He's actually been rebuking these Corinthians for their carnality, for the, all of the problems that have been going on in the church there. And he, he, he starts with, um, I, mean, I mean, within this, within this chapter, he's, he's telling them that, you know, he, he really hasn't preached to them in the wisdom of man in the next chapter. He says to them that he couldn't speak to them as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. And so these aren't exactly the, uh, the epitome of spiritual people. And yet he says to them in verse number 14, or 14 of chapter 2, but the natural man, that's the unsaved person, the one without the Spirit of God, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no, no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? Listen to this. But we have the mind of Christ. If you are saved, you have the mind of Christ. You, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. I don't care how spiritually mature or immature you are, how much carnality there is in your life, I, I mean, I care about that, but I'm saying in this situation, if you are saved, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to discern truth from error. Now, you may not always listen to the Spirit of God and thereby fall into error. But if you have the Spirit of God, you can discern truth from error. As we go back to 1 John 2, I want to show you that he's telling them, I'm not writing these things to you because you don't know the truth, but actually because you know it, because you are saved, because you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and I'm just warning you that there are many antichrists. Notice verse number 22, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. One of the Though there are many false teachings out there, one of the most obvious is a denial of Christ and His deity. Sadly, many of the, the cults that are in the world today that would even call themselves Christians deny that Christ is God. I, those examples that would come to mind would be like the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses that, that teach that, well, he was, maybe, he was the Son of God, but He wasn't God in the flesh. But 
Did you know that even some that have slipped under the radar as kind of orthodox Christians, you know, evangelical type Christians, some of them would fall into this category of denying the Father and the Son. There is actually a, a movement out there uh, that has crept into, it, it kind of started in a particular branch of Pentecostalism, but it's even crept into some Baptist churches today that uh, it's, it's known as oneness theology, that God is one. And what they're really doing is they're denying the Trinity. They deny that there are three distinct persons within the Godhead. They, they, they teach that what's known as modalism, that sometimes God reveals himself as the Father, sometimes he reveals himself as the Son, and sometimes he reveals himself as the Spirit, but it's all just one person. Now that might sound kind of benign and, and, and kind of maybe you even look at that and think, well, is that really that different from what the Bible teaches? Yes, it is. The Bible clearly teaches that God is one God, but he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a Godhead. And, and according to this, if you deny the Father and the Son, that is the spirit of Antichrist. You cannot be saved and deny the Trinity. I mean, that's just the word of God. That's what it says. He that denieth, uh, verse number 23, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So he, he's, this is a warning of some specific false teaching. Yet we ought to be able to discern truth from error. And then he says in verse number, notice verse 27 if you would. He says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. <laughs> now you might look at that and say, well then what am I doing in church on a Wednesday night if I need not that any man teach me? He's not saying that we don't need any teachers. That's not the point of this. In fact, Ephesians 4, verse 11, says he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. We do need teachers. But what he's saying is you don't have to have a man tell you what is right and what is wrong because you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. You have the Word of God in your hands, and these things keep you in truth. Verse 24 then gives us some direction. And it says, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. He says, I want you to abide in the truth. I want the word of God to abide in you. Let that therefore abide in you that you have heard from the beginning. How can we as Christians living in these last days avoid doctrines of devils, doctrines of antichrist? Well, first of all, you need to be saved. You need to have the Holy Spirit living within you. And if you are saved, you need to allow the word of God to abide in you. You see, you can have the spirit of God in salvation, but not hear the spirit of God because you're not in his word. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word. This is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If you want to know truth, you have to look no further than the word of God. Look in the word of God. Let it abide in you. It's stated to us in uh, Colossians 3 and verse 16 in this way. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does that mean? It means you have to abide in the word of God, meditating on the word of God, letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through his word. And when an error comes, when false teaching is presented to you, you'll be able to distinguish between truth and error. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 tells us, Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. In these last days in which we live, folks, it is dangerous territory. There are people all around us that are teaching all kinds of falsehoods. And quite honestly, it's not just those that are without. It's those who would claim to be Christians. It's those who would claim to be preaching the truth. And this is the reason you can't just trust everything that you read on the internet that claims to be Christian. You can't believe it just because it has a Bible verse after it. You can't believe it just because you found it in the Christian bookstore. You need to prove it against the word of God and by the spirit of God. You need to walk in fellowship with him and allow him through his word to to guide you into truth. Folks, there is a day when Antichrist is going to come and he's going to essentially rule the world for a period of time. And he's going to convince the vast majority of people that live on this earth that he is God. And he's worth following. We look at that and we recognize the danger of that. We see the problem with that. And some people are even afraid of that day coming. (laughs) But folks, Antichrist is here. Not as just one man who's exalted himself as the Antichrist. But the spirit of Antichrist prevails in a world today where false teaching abounds and God's people must have discernment. God's people need to be walking in the spirit and walking in truth. John here, not in this book, but in one of his future epistles says, I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in truth. That's what we're commanded to do, to walk in truth. And tonight, really, the the admonition is very simple. First of all, you need to ask the Lord to reveal to you, am I really saved? Am I really your child? Do I really have the Spirit of God dwelling within me? If you know that you are saved and you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, then the admonition is this. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. Get into the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Walk in the Spirit. And in walking in the Spirit, you will not be led astray by all the false teaching and antichrists out there today. Let's pray.